Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Beautiful day in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call this uh, uh, late summer. Sure, yeah. Summer two. Yeah. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. I hear El Nino's around the corner, Jordan. I cannot wait for El Nino. Uh, yeah, if Lyft driver told me that earlier today, I, oh. I appreciated that input from him. Uh, Lyft driver slash meteorologist? Um, well, I don't know if he was an accredited meteorologist, mm. but it's always been a passion of his. <laughs> Could it be that NBC4's Fritz Coleman has fallen on hard times <laughs> and has to... Drive lift. Jordan, how could he have fallen on hard times when you did that local television commercial with him at one time? I mean, being being attached to me does does put someone into a position where they will eventually have an epic fall from grace. I think that Fritz Coleman, one of the most fascinating things about local mm-hmm. Los Angeles weatherman Fritz Coleman, mm-hmm. uh, is that he is, by all accounts, while he's somewhat of a silver fox, he is also a uh, – he's like a novelty weatherman. He's like a <laughs> sure. comic weatherman. I think he does uh, – yeah, he does like um, – uh, or at least when I was a kid, he also did like one-man shows on PBS. Yeah. The, here's the thing about him though. He may be the least ridiculous local Los Angeles commercial television weatherman just by virtue of the fact – that his name isn't Lightning Thunder. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, he has a man's name. Like, they really go all in here in Los Angeles. Yeah. There's nothing is being held back mm-hmm. in the uh, in the nom de meteorologies <laughs> of local Los Angeles radio talent. Or television talent, I should say. Oh, we should explain, by the way, this week's Jordan Jesse Go, we're recording live at Max Fun HQ. But in addition uh, to the maddening cackles uh, coming out of our producer Brian's mouth, uh, this week there's also outside of our studio a group of uh, Max Fun advisory board members, mm-hmm. uh, uh, big time uh, Max Fun supporters. Uh, so if you hear a weird, distant group of mildly amused people, uh, that's the people that you're hearing. <laughs> hey, people on Reddit who are bothered by Brian's laugh. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> this is a specific fuck you to uh, a few people on Reddit. Uh, let's introduce our guest on this week's program. Uh, you probably already recognized him by his distinctive Muppetish laugh. Um, he's the host of MaximumFun.org's very own smash hit podcast, Pop Rocket. He's also a comedian and comedy writer, uh, one of the smartest and funniest guys I know. Uh, Jordan, I know you know, have a lot more friends than I do. <laughs> uh, his name is Guy Branham. Hi, Guy. Good to be here. Thank you for having me, Jesse and Jordan. Here's my question. <laughs> wow! <laughs> what? It's like it's like someone was holding you up by the scruff of your neck and your legs were spinning in the air, and then someone let go and you just... <laughs> it's how I podcast, Jesse. The, uh, the floor acknowledges the Muppet-like man in the back. Okay, I realize that there is an Adult Swim show called Newsreaders, but why have we never gotten a Sorkin-esque parody of the Weather Channel? Have we gotten Mm. anything like that? I mean, it is – I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in the world of local news weather. I mean, I did do the commercial with Fritz Coleman. It's on YouTube. What was the commercial for? Uh, The weather. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jordan played – Jordan really went went outside of his acting comfort zone Mm – and played a spacey dipshit. Mm-hmm. I played a surfer uh, who was in Fritz's office in my wetsuit uh, with my board, asking him where the best waves were. 
Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, it was really cute. That Los Angeles. My uh, my manager, uh, kind of periodically, and guy, you you know, as a as a television personality, you know this. You got to update your reel every right. now and then, and uh, and you know when I had kind of you know done some more work and gotten some more credits under my belt, I was talking to my manager about updating the reel. Uh, and she's like, yeah, maybe we take off the local commercial with Fritz Coleman. And I said, no fucking way. That We lead with that, and then we play it again at the end. I think it shows a lot of range. I, I think so, too. You pulling off Surfer, mm-hmm. like, to a local Southern California audience who knows Surfers. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good point, the local and I think Southern it, California audience. If they know two, one thing, it's Surfers. <laughs> if it's two things, it's Surfers and Little Old Ladies. Specifically those from Pasadena. (laughs) And I think it came across really well despite not being in great shape. Um, I just am so, so perennially pleased that L.A. still has to make mattress commercials and local news. (laughs) Angelina Jolie lives here, but we're still going to make – well, she lives in France. I don't know. Famous people live here, but we still have to make mattress commercials. Sure. But like Los Angeles, to be fair – barely makes local news. <laughs> like, Los Angeles just, like, throws some video of a murder into an episode of Access Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> All local news. Uh, like, I love that you cannot begrudge them doing a solid ten minutes on the Golden Globes because it did affect traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember one time, you know, I, I don't watch I don't watch a lot of local news on television. I, look, I don't even own a television. <laughs> Let's be honest. Okay, sure. Um, no, I, I was Sometimes watching... you'll watch a documentary Documentary on Netflix. Yeah, I was watching. Have you heard of these Netflix documentaries that everyone's always watching? Sorry, I watched. I watched. I wa- Have you heard of this Netflix documentary? Is the new I don't own a TV. Sorry, that's my new statement. I watched uh, uh, like probably twenty minutes of the local television news at the airport in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the ABC affiliate here in Los Angeles sponsors the Wi-Fi. Uh, at the Burbank Airport, and thus is on all of the televisions. Um, and I spent the first ten of that twenty minutes thinking, uh, "What is this weird studio-based documentary about Usher? <laughs> <laughs> like, why is this film about Usher <laughs> feature a silver fox gentleman and his hot younger Asian sidekick?" <laughs> Like, that's that's the most wonderful thing. It's like, Good Day, no one knows what Good Day LA is. Though they tried to take it national in the early 2000s, and that was really exciting. But just seeing just how, like, it's basically Kelly and Michael, but with working prostitutes. Like, it's just <laughs> that hoary. And I love it. Active streetwalkers. <laughs> yeah, there is a, well, what's amazing is it's like, I've never lived in New York City but I know for a fact that there's a man on a New York City-specific television network who's a newsman who's famous for reading directly from the newspaper. He has a famous segment where he <laughs> reads from various newspapers. And, like, it is this weird local identification that you get just because that locality happens to be the media center of, frankly, the world. <laughs> well, it's also... It means that we were making YouTube stars in 1983. (laughs) They just had to be in a media market. How important do you think the YouTubeable blooper is to local news? 
I think that's I bet all it's local very, news has left. I bet instead of, you know, shooting for an exclusive, they're like, how can we fuck up so it gets on YouTube? Yeah, I think that at some point th- there are two producers on any field shoot mm-hmm. for local television news, <laughs> one of whom is in charge of the story, you know, working on the script sure. and getting the B-roll together. Uh, the other of whom is just looking for photo bombers. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just if you see a drug sorority girl coming out of a bar, just kind of ushering her over to where the camera is. I like yeah. the idea of pre-producing drunk sorority girls. You yeah. just got a clipboard, get her to sign some releases, give her some slurs that she could call the reporter. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, maybe you have some jello shots with you. I don't know. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not part of your kit that they give you, but, but it's like if backstage, you just happen to It's like some. being backstage at Bill Maher. There's an open bar sure. available. Yeah, like, they're yeah. not going to make you get drunk, but... <laughs> They're not going to discourage you. Did either of you watch Unreal? No. Uh, no. I, I've heard uh-uh. tremendous things. This is a show on on uh, scripted comedy show on Lifetime, right? Y- yes. Comedy. Serial comic. Like comedy to Los Angeles people who believe that pre-producing people to be messes is a hilarious part of life. <laughs> and, a, and not one of the uh, American capitalism's greatest tragedies. Right. <laughs> so to the rest of America, it's a horrible story about how low people will go in Los Angeles. But to... To an Angelino, it is just a, a charming story of a West Side Jewess who's doing what God intended. <laughs> I read an entire New Yorker article about a woman from uh, the Real Housewives of New Jersey, so I'm basically a reality TV expert now. <laughs> Which one was it? Mm, she has her own lines of products. <laughs> That possibly broadened the pool. (laughs) (laughs) There's like walk-on characters. There's photo bombers on The Real Housewives who have their own lines of products. It's really exciting. Uh, It was a woman named Bethany something. Oh, Bethany Frankel. Yeah. She's she's made from from head to foot out of products she endorses. She also is Real Housewives of New York, not New Jersey. Mm. Mm. Forgive me. Mm -hmm. Can I I beg your contrition? Can I offer my contrition to beg your forgiveness? Uh, I mean, while the Pope is in town, that's for him to do. Okay, got it. Uh, (laughs) Look, he met with all kinds of people. Sure, he met with that county clerk, but he also met with an openly gay guy and a whole group of people who didn't have a deep understanding of the contemporary reality television zeitgeist. Uh, Guy, so you were a writer on uh, another period, right? Uh, Yes. Did you have to watch a lot of... Uh, the programs that it parodied, the housewife-based genre? Have, have to. <laughs> um, I was letting Guy do that joke, okay. Jesse. Okay. Yeah, I know, I know who this is. No. I was letting him do that. Um, uh, the best thing about being in that writer's room is that basically Ricky Lindholm and I are the only people who have extensively watched housewife programs mm-hmm. or Kardashian programs. And so she always locks eyes with me before she starts saying, remember when Nene... <laughs> fucking Nini, right, guys? Yeah, fuck it. What is who is Nini and what does she do? Oh, uh, Nini was one of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, and then she was on the television program The New Normal because she tried to segue into acting, and I believe now, oh, she was briefly she was briefly the fairy godmother on, in Broadway Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, like there's a lot of like that that show is very fun to write for because you are either talking about very complex Downton Abbey plot lines or like drunk ladies throwing wine at each other on a housewives program. I think that they're I'm going to run this uh by you uh guy. 
Uh, you're a homosexual, correct? I am. Uh, officially registered. I, <laughs> thank God we got that registry started. Yep. Um, so, uh, and how's your photo on your card? <laughs> it's always bad, right? It's always bad. Always, it's always, always bad. Always wish it was I better, mean, but how yeah. else are we going to take away their guns? <laughs> sure. uh, honestly, the, the homosexual registration cards, the lighting is so subtle you just can't tell us apart. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so on Broadway, I feel like the stunt stunt casting on Broadway is a very dangerous game because there is this chasm between – there are two categories of, I think, appropriate stunt casting on Broadway. One is uh, a real movie star. Right. Um, who sometimes decide that they're going to go do The Great White Way because they're real actors who trot upon the boards, et cetera, et James et cetera, et cetera. Franco is going to go be in a Horton Foot play. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So that's a legitimate movie star. And often those movie stars, I think even typically those movie stars are legitimately superb actors. Right. And so, you know, you know I think you could, make a, you could make a grab. I know some of people's opinions uh, differ about James Franco, but I think he's a really talented guy. Um, you know, like I think a lot of those actors, you know, if Bill Macy's in a show on on stage, you know, you can count on Bill Macy to deliver an exceptional right. performance. Yeah. Um, then there's uh, then there's a second category, which is uh, people who are famous based on their accomplishments on Broadway, but also famous enough to count to headline something, which is basically just Nathan Lane and Bernadette Peters. Yes. Um, like those two. So those are the two like good news. But then everything below that, and I would argue that the line starts around Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> like everything below that just means sadness. Damn. Like you can put Ben Vereen in. Like if you put Ben Vereen in, you get that exception for like Broadway legend or Mandy Patinkin. You know what I mean? People who are famous for something other than Broadway, maybe, but are legitimate Broadway legends. But then it gets to it gets to Nene real quick. Yeah, it's unfortunate. The one time I went with uh, uh, our friend, Aparna Nanchurla, sure. to see Chicago, and uh, I was explaining to her, some terrible person will be playing Roxy Hart. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. someone who was on a sitcom 10 years ago will be playing Roxy. Are there I – get, I get the impression that, like, Rizzo from Greece is just – like, there are these yes. parts that they will give to – the less than talented. Look, I'm not going to say that I once uh, saw a Broadway production of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which starred Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> that legendary ancient Roman. Sure. Um, but yeah, I did, actually. Well, th- that's great, because that's a role where instead of singing, you can just kind of talk. Yeah, sure. And Whoopi Goldberg's <laughs> the greatest. I, I love Whoopi Goldberg. That's on record. But... There was no one in Chicago when we saw it. It was just some lady who was Japan's um, Velma Kelly, who they were had brought in. <laughs> I don't to, even know who America's Velma Kelly is. They, yeah. Like they, they brought her in to be Velma on Broadway for three weeks so that they could okay. take her back to Japan and say from Broadway. Oh, and it was like so they just that's did a character a in the last thing I want to see is like Chicago. 12 or 20 years in, however far it is in, with just good, talented Broadway performers. I know. <laughs> I want to see, see some action. I want to see Chicago starring in Chicago. <laughs> Saturday in the Park gets interpolated into... That would be amazing. Yeah. Add a horn section to Chicago. <laughs> sure. Chicago may have a horn section, some of those songs. Yeah, because they're jazzy. They're jazzy. So All that horns. jazz. There's horns in there. 
Yeah, but I think I think you you get a, a Chicago's trombone trombone guy in there. You're really going to kick it up a notch. That guy's been on the road for <clears throat> decades. He knows how to entertain a crowd. I once saw a very very weird uh, stage musical of uh, the Ten Commandments with <laughs> Val Kilmer. Oh, uh, and so he as Moses, and this is. You know, I guess maybe Val Kilmer has done some, like, credible movies lately to kind of, you know, remind us that Val Kilmer was a thing. But this is like... Wait, so when you say when you say that Val Kilmer has done some credible movies yeah. lately to remind us that he was a thing, you're mm-hmm. talking about MacGruber? You're talking about MacGruber, yeah, yeah. This is, I think, the thing I am talking about is, this is maybe three years before Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Right. Like, you know, this is the before the triumphant return or whatever of Val Kilmer. And so he was playing Moses uh, and, you know, his face was on the billboards and um, this was this kind of awful, this awful, you know, thing that, you know, was never on Broadway. The uh, the Israelites all did hip hop dancing. No, man. And Val Kilmer was in like three scenes where he would just wander in from the side of the stage and talk, sing some things and then wander off. That as if amazing. drunk. Yeah, it kind of was. I, um, I tell, I'll tell you what. There's a church near my house that's mm-hmm. constantly doing car shows that have a play associated with them. Okay. I really want to go to those plays. Yeah. A, a like car show? A church-based car show? It's a church-based car. Well, they're reaching out. A car show with a theater production attached to the car show about, I think, finding God in jail. That's amazing. Like true... True OGs are for the original God. Um, and then there's a car show afterwards. Who here had to spend significant time at boat shows as a child? I don't think we have the same childhood lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my dad definitely threatened to take us to boat shows. Um, Your and, dad once bought a car at a car show, right? Yeah, my dad did really? buy a, Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in, the, in the waning days of my parents' marriage, uh, my dad made a lot of very bizarre purchases, uh, kind of without running it by my mom. And one of them was uh, a car that Cruella DeVille would drive, <laughs> uh, a kind of two-seater Long in the front, but like the '80s reproduction of that, like yeah, a, like right, an not caliber or something like that, not like a Dusenberg. Yeah, right. This was something that, yeah, like a like a Koki agent had made for him in the '80s. This wasn't like something that Jay Leno would have. That sounds really awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it it was it, it was also, cool to see, but also, I mean, I think you know. Tore my parents' Jordan, apart. Jordan, yeah. <laughs> Jordan, I do think it is dangerous to assert that any car is not something Jay Leno would own. Yeah, yeah that's no, a you're good right. Point. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he's going for coverage. At this point. <laughs> he's just as many cars as possible. Yeah, he's like, hey, is that a car? Yeah, I'll take it. That's my Jay Leno impression. He's, on the, by the he's way. on the phone with his mechanic. Like, have we got the '92 Saturn yet? <laughs> <laughs> I need to fill this hangar that he's I own. Those dent-resistant door panels. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, that, and then a, also a, uh, some sort of giant painting of Napoleon he also bought. <laughs> yeah. Again, this sounds really awesome. Yeah. Like, so Guy, did you spend a lot of time at boat shows? I mean, I don't know how many boat shows I've been to in my life, but it felt interminable the whole time I was there. Did your family own a boat or was this just part of your, like your father's attempt to turn you into a boat shoe wearing heterosexual? Um, like... 
we would periodically own the kind of boats that you water ski behind. Right. But mm. then we would sell them. Um, but he would, I think we went to boat shows. We didn't go to boat shows to buy boats. We bu- went to boat shows. I'm not clear why we went to boat shows. <laughs> check, out, check out the new boats. Yeah. When they were, when they were, it, it, they got they got stats and info about the boats. You know how good does it float? It was. We walked around. Sometimes there would be like yachty things that had like a little like a bed and kitchen down inside of them, and I liked that because it felt domestic. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun, Dad. I'll be down here making scones. I'll be at the Dwell Magazine area yeah. of the boat show. I, I it always struck me too because I I remember my dad asking us if we wanted to go to the boat show. And my thought process was we have never been on a boat. Yeah. And don't really live that close to water. Yeah. Uh, But it seemed to me that I guess there's just these things that dads become interested in. And maybe it's a place to just go and meet other dads. He's like. You mean for secrets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, me and Bruce are going to go check out this galley. Here's the thing. Here's a nickel. Buy a gumball. As a kid, I was I I went through a period where I was pretty into cars, mm-hmm. and my dad took me to the car show. Uh, it's the only uh, transportation show I've been to. <laughs> I believe that's the category. Um, and uh, I remember being stunned that like mostly what happens at the car show is you look at the interior of a Nissan Sentra. <laughs> like I imagined that the car show would have a lot of. If not Dusenbergs, at least Excaliburs. Sure. You know what I mean? But actually, it's Camrys. Like, it's a whole conference center full of Camrys that people, like, they just want to have access to both the Camry and the Accord within a short distance, but without test drives. Well, and also some of them have been, like, souped up in some way that I don't understand, right? Rims. Rims are an issue, maybe, (sighs) right? Okay, high school for high school was just a bunch of boys talking about their rims and the radios in their car, and that was all that they cared about. And none of them went to college. And the whole time, I was just like, <laughs> "Why isn't anyone else studying for the SATs?" You like you like lift up you like lift up your uh, your import tuner magazine, <laughs> and inside are just your interior plans for a boat. Okay, we'll get some really great ideas for built-ins. Are there? Babes at a boat show? Is that why the dads are going? Boat Do they want to, yeah, like a, you well, know, I mean, you a lady who presents the boat? There's there probably were... some mermaids, right? I mean, I mean, those actually turned out to be manatees. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> if I know my sea lore correctly, Got it. most things that sailors think are mermaids are actually manatees. Can we teach a manatee to gesture at a boat? <laughs> <laughs> they just automatically get hit by the propellers. It's just in their nature. They just run right into it. I think right now the Navy is developing weaponized sexual manatees. Oh, like they're breeding manatees for waving at enemy boats slash human sexiness. Sure. And as soon as the sailor's penis goes in, it triggers a bomb. They're like the heads are getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. Still too big though. Yeah. Manatee's got a whole a whole fat head, you know. Yeah. Much bigger than a beautiful lady. Sure, that's that's the issue. Do I you think. follow the whole my whole line of reasoning here, or have I explained it effectively? Yeah, but should you can, I go over it again? You know what? You know we probably should. Yeah. Okay, so just for clarity's sake. The Navy, uh-huh. who are in charge of a yeah, that's warfare. like the boat army. Sure, 
They are working on developing mm-hmm. a set of faux mermaids mm-hmm. uh, made from manatees, which is a popular uh, sea mammal uh, sure. from Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the here's the problem, guys. Uh, it's a great idea on its surface. Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree with yeah, that. I don't uh, the problem see is any a, problem manatee's with it so far. Got a, a manatee has a fat head. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of beautiful women don't. So the sure. Navy's having to do some uh, selective breeding uh, to reduce the size of the heads. But they haven't made it far enough yet. Anyway, that's Jesse's joke. <laughs> Guy, you have a concern. Oh, just I think if we can make a square tomato, we can make a sexy manatee. Thank I believe you in it. Very much. So. And th- why don't we hear that at the debates? <laughs> why do we hear about what's wrong with America and yeah. not why America is the greatest country in the world? Sure. I think the next time all those fellas get up there, yeah. Ted Cruz would really help his cause. Yeah. By taking a bite of a square tomato yeah. and then fucking a manatee. Yeah. Well, you know what? A lot of our listeners have been sharing messages with Ted Cruz uh, over the past few weeks. Sure. Just vision type things. Uh, for your uh, for your benefit, Guy, uh, uh, we get tired of people correcting us on the podcast. Uh-huh. So we, but we know that people feel that impulse when they hear, you know, if... We recognize and acknowledge the impulse to correct. Yeah, right. I mean, You're we have it too. I mean, I think we've all been listening to a podcast and, you know, they say that... Uh, yeah, you know, Bill I, and Ted's Excellent Adventure was made in 1987 when we all know it was made in 1989. And, <laughs> you know, you can't sleep until you tell someone that. Yeah. Uh, so we want to help listeners soothe themselves. So when they feel the need to correct us, we just have them send whatever issue they have to Ted Cruz on Twitter. Because yeah. we think he's more equipped to deal with it. Yeah, he's got a whole staff. I mean, and a vision for America. You got it. So just let Ted know. And just a gross face. <laughs> just oh. let Ted know your, your debate tips. Sure. I think, at Ted Cruz. I think, that's, I think that'll really lend him a hand. I think so, too. Uh, Adomian has the best Ted Cruz joke. Uh, it is that Ted Cruz... Comedian lo- James Adomian. Com- comedian uh, James Adomian, officially registered homosexual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Great picture, by the way. Yes. He's, he's the, the exception. <laughs> it's a good picture. He's a three-point lighting. Is <laughs> sure. I think, he had, I think he, did, he had makeup before that, yeah, though. Yeah, you have a key light, you have a backlight, and you mm-hmm. have a fill light. Sure. Jordan, you think anyone would get their officially registered homosexual picture without hair and makeup presence? <laughs> uh, he said that Ted Cruz looks like he is wearing, like, a mid-price Ted Cruz mask <laughs> because of how sunken his eyes are. Yeah, um, and I just think that that's so true. Maybe it's going to be a situation where you know some water gets on Ted Cruz or a thread gets caught on a nail, and the whole thing's going to unravel. And it's just um, it's just a bunch of bees <laughs> in that oh. in, a, in a man suit. You know, I think you bring up a really excellent point. Mm-hmm. You know, which of our candidates are a bunch of raccoons standing on each other's shoulders with an overcoat draped over top? I don't you know. know. Which of our candidates are mummies? <laughs> sure. Where if they get caught on a nail and unravel, they'll disappear in a poof of dust. I'd like to speak to moveon.org because <laughs> I think that they have really been dropping the ball into letting us know which candidates are humans and which are just piles of things. Look, the moveon.org people, we can all agree they did a great job when they created the screensaver of the toasters <laughs> with wings. Sure. But now it's now it's time for another accomplishment. That's been quite some time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's get on top of this which candidates are mummies situation. I mean, we, we can all agree that Bernie Sanders has been dead for at least a period of time. Sure. Right. Right. And the question is, is he a vampire? Is he a zombie? Is he a, is he a mummy? 
You know, uh, is he? Uh, is it a Weekend at Bernie's thing? <laughs> is Weekend at Bernie's based on Bernie Sanders? Yeah. <laughs> An earlier Bernie Sanders. He's been dead longer than we knew since the late 1980s. And in the dead. sequel, they'll reanimate him with a voodoo curse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I never realized all those stories about uh, FDR's sons, like, holding him up because he could not stand, were just essentially a proto-Weekend at Bernie's. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. That's actually, Weekend at Bernie's was originally a World War II film. <laughs> and then the studio executives are like, we love it. Can it be a modern sex romp? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it- this should include more... Fun guys looking for pussy. Orson Welles dropped out. He was going to play Churchill. And sure. then once they lost Churchill, they decided to do some retooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love the female lead being an ugly cousin of his that he's married to. But what if it were just like 50 to 75 women in bikinis? <laughs> exactly. Well, I think we've solved Hollywood politics <laughs> sure. uh, and boat shows. So we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Welcome to the Lady to Lady Show. Behind door number one, we have fantastic weekly guests like Aisha Tyler, French Stewart, Retta, and more. Behind door number two, we have road trip and sleepover games like Would You Rather and Never Have I Ever, the kind of games that remind you of being a kid. Door number three brings you fresh hot episodes every Wednesday. You can find them on iTunes and at MaximumFun.org. Now pick a door. Just kidding. They're not real because we're a podcast. You're all winners. And we didn't really think this through. Lady to lady. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. I'm Guy Branham, vampire senator hunter. Oh, really? Yes. Are you what? What kind of equipment do you got in your in your tool in your toolkit? Um, I have uh, a recent edition of America's Congressional Registry. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, and sharpened uh, wooden stakes. Oh, great! So you've got you've got the two primary things you're going to need. Yes, I've always been a holy water fan, but um, as a Jew, I think we all have. I mean, you don't yeah, have to, you don't have to tell me about sure. being a holy water fan. I, <laughs> I mean, we were all college freshmen, right? <laughs> we all had a little holy water. First and foremost, a San Francisco Giants fan, mm-hmm. but second, <laughs> fan and of holy water. Third, I'd say I'm a parrot head. Sure. <laughs> The three pillars yeah. of a good life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so it seems like killing a vampire senator isn't that different from killing a you know, vampire with a more traditional job. Well, but vampire senators are so good at building coalitions sure. and working with other revenants or well, creatures of the, of the night. Because of the legendary uh, sort of convivial fraternity quality of the Senate relative to the House of Representatives. I mean, if you're talking about killing a, a, a vampire in the House, you know, in the lower House sure. of Congress – you're talking about a bunch of, you know, it's it's like herding cats. Right. Everyone's going one direction or another. So much extremism because of gerrymandering. I would think it would be a much easier job than uh, a senator who's, you know, who's known for building bridges. Statesmanlike. Yeah, exactly. 
John. I mean, imagine trying to kill uh, like a zombie John Kerry. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? He's in France. He's got that French wife. He's he's in, you know. Uh, his power to hypnotize you with long, boring stories about, like, the balance of power in the Southeast Asia. Like, yeah, you're just exactly. going to be hypnotized. Yeah, I mean, here's, here's the easy part, though. Yeah. The traditional, you know, death method for a zombie shot to the head. Huge head on John Kerry. Yeah. Huge Solid head. points. I mean, you don't even have to have that great a name, you know? But he's got that, I mean, he's got enough... Uh, silver foxy hair. Mm-hmm. His mane is such that it could throw off your sense of what is head and what is hair. Yeah, no, you know yeah, that's mean? a good, that's a good point. It's a classic distraction uh, tactic, like uh, painting a, a warship with razzle dazzle paint. <laughs> sure, you can't tell whether John Kerry's coming or going. God, that's that's a really great Wikipedia entry that not enough people have really <laughs> taken part in. <laughs> Um, oh, hey, hey, hey. Speaking of our nation's capital, mm-hmm. I would like to take this opportunity to mention that my public radio program, Bullseye with Jess Lauren, is hitting the road in November. Our first ever world tour of select American cities. Um, we are doing a show in Los Angeles. We are doing a show in uh, Brooklyn. We are doing a show in Manhattan. I'm going to do Make Your Thing, my uh, talk about making independent media in Manhattan, uh, Boston, uh, Philadelphia. Um, all of those places, we are doing amazing, kick-ass shows. We've already started to book the guests. I'm not going to tell you where they, who they are yet, um, but they are amazing guests. Uh, all those shows will have, you know, big sit-down interviews uh, with fascinating people, uh, stand-up comedy with brilliant stand-up comics, including the aforementioned Aparna Nancharla. It's going to be on one of the shows. Um, uh, uh, live music, amazing live music. We've already started. I mean, these are people, these are bands that you would pay the money for your ticket just to get to see these bands play. Um, uh, all of that happening on these shows, go to bullseyetour.com for more information. Bullseyetour.com. Don't, ha- don't miss out. Has the concept of America's NPR belts been, uh, like, floated yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you could just, you could build the, you could build the heat map, so to speak, just by looking at Volvo's <laughs> I mean, or if you just wanted to simplify things, 10 shows in Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> just go to various places in Vermont. On my, on my, uh, on my, like, uh, my nation, my national tour of Vermont uh, f- featuring the famous Vermonter who is, surprisingly, Luis Guzman <laughs> lives in Vermont. No, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Not only does Luis Guzman live in Vermont, but the time that he was on The Sound of Young America many years ago... Uh, we we're, we were on at the time – I don't think we are anymore, unfortunately. But we were on at the time Vermont Public Radio. And so we told him, like, well, come into Montpelier or whatever and we'll do the interview. The nearest station – this is like a 12-station network in the tiny state of Vermont. Uh, the nearest station to where Luis Guzman lives was like a two-hour drive. That's not possible. I know. He, like, lives, like, deep underground in Vermont or something. That's not Ver- – <laughs> Like, there are no freeways where Luis Guzman lives in Vermont. Like, only, like, one-lane dirt roads. That's beautiful. I know. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Get off the grid. Just become a successful character actor and then you can get off the grid. Yeah. That's the way to do it. It's the dream. That's, Start- what, that's what all those people were doing in the 60s. <laughs> what are you guys going to do when you finally get off the grid? Oh, 
masturbate more. Yeah, yeah. The problem with masturbation is that, uh, you know, yeah. just do too much hustle and bustle, too much urban hustle and bustle. Honestly, my my biggest problem with uh, masturbation mm-hmm. is uh, mistakenly ejaculating into electrical outlets. Mm, so just sure. getting off the grid is oh, real Oh, the electrical grid, yeah, sure. Yeah. Because the electricity travels up the strand of semen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I you don't have to. A continuous strand. It, uh, sure. Tragic, but beautiful to watch. Thank yeah. you very much, guy. Thank let's get you. those that YouTube. Let's get those YouTube slow mo guys on this. That's a really good idea. Do you think this? Can I, can I just say I think this might be a really good segment for Fallon. Yeah. <laughs> Jizzing into an electrical socket. Well, if we could get Anne Hathaway to do it with me. Sure. <laughs> she's always game. Yeah, she's always she's fun. She's game. You know They're what? just like real people. I am so tired of hearing these canned interviews with celebrities. I want to see them playing parlor games that they would play in the privacy of their home. I really get to know them. I'm giggling about how silly they are. What I want to see is Emma Stone giggle about how silly she is. Oh my gosh, she's such a silly Billy. Um, Sill Bill for short. Let's go back for a moment and just say, why aren't there more like San Luis Obispo based like masturbation cults in California? Like it, it feels like <laughs> I don't know, guy. The kind of like like it's a it's a it's the kind of reflective activity that really needs to be surrounded by like you oh, know. Oh, so you want like it to be. Associated with maybe like uh, transcendental meditation, something David Lynchy. Exactly, I do. I do remember something about the uh, the area that is now Orange County once had uh, something called the Oneida Community, uh-huh. where they practiced uh, masturbation but never ejaculating. Oh. They thought that was oh. a, a way to become closer to God or to be your best self or whatever. And that was, was because to... they were all members of the same Reddit community. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this was the contemporary, uh, the contemporaries to no fap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, so people were were edging in the 19th century yeah, in Orange County. Edging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what's going and on. And I think there was a there was a weird. I mean, I think they did. And my maybe my knowledge of the Oneida community is uh, is incorrect. But this is right. what I think happened was right. that they did have like a a free love uh, policy. But also a no ejaculation policy, so you could stick it in whomever, right. but just you couldn't ejaculate. Right. I see some troubles with that system. Uh, f- let's let's break it down. <laughs> what are your issues, guy? Because this seems great to me. If yeah, there it are any, seems like a rock solid plan to me. Too. Yeah. It just strikes me that there might come that point in time when it crossed somebody's mind that they would like to get a nut off. Sure. Like it does, yeah, it no. does yeah, that point in time might come. Yeah. Like, and you've got your principles, you've got your ideals and goals. But then you've also just got the practicalities of how genitals work. Sure. Yeah. That's and, a really good point. Yeah. But, I mean, you you decrease the list, risk of electrocution. I think that's, that's why. So if true. You're not, if, you're, if you're not jizzing. Guy, I think that's why you're in the Senate and I'm in the House of Representatives. <laughs> ah, vampire. I'm a, I'm a wild-eyed idealist and you're a deal maker. So mm-hmm. what goes into, like, what equipment do you have to hunt down uh Vampire representatives. Oh, vampire representatives? Yes. Um, well, I, I mean, I basically just hold a gun-themed town hall meeting, <laughs> and they come to me. Yeah. You know, it's really not a concern for me. Like, I basically just put out a microphone with a stake underneath it, <laughs> and my work is done. And I've heard, beautiful. and maybe you can correct me on this, and I could be wrong. Again, I could be wrong about the Oneida community. I could be wrong about uh, uh, vampires in the house. That the stake doesn't work, you have to remove the head. 
Mm, yeah. Am I? Am I? Is that? Have I gotten bad intel? That's interesting. That's an interesting thing. I think in a parliamentary democracy, mm. you have to remove the that's head. That's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, here in a federalist democracy, mm. yeah, I think that's stake, the key difference. Stake through the heart. Guys, Why tempt me to talk more about Borgen? You know that all I want to do right now is talk about the Danish parliamentary politics series <laughs> Borgen. Go, man. We got nothing else. No, wait, I <laughs> you a- attempted to bring me up to the edge of climax and not allow it. Sure. Uh, guy, if if I might allow you to put put just the tip in, um, here's my question for you. Now you are you're a well known uh, politics nerd, yeah. uh, and specifically you really enjoy uh, the the nuts and bolts of the horse trading and the uh, the workings of the voting and the, the, these kinds of things. Yes. Have you ever had occasion uh, to meet a congressperson? Oh, not since I was in eighth grade, I don't believe. What happened when you were in eighth grade? Like, we went to Washington, D.C. Um, as, like, part of – you go to sure, Washington, eighth grade D. trip. Yeah, sure. Yes. We met, I mean, I think most people just see the spirit of St. Louis and turn the bus back around. Right. Mm-hmm. We met with Wally Herger, congressman then for the second district of California. Mm-hmm. That's a funny name. Uh, yes. <laughs> um no, but I do. Uh, I I do know um, an assemblyman, like a, a California assemblyman, who was briefly, I think, speaker of the assembly, um, and is a gay guy from Los Angeles. Oh, that's nice. I yes. when I was in tenth grade, I was in the junior state of America. Uh huh. I look. I don't mean to embarrass <laughs> you guys, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm not bragging here, sure. but uh, yeah. I, I was not selected for junior state. I applied. I wanted it so bad. Not quite. Are Let's you going to force me to bring up the fact that I was in our school's production of George Washington Slept Here? <laughs> Don't make me drop that bomb. Guy, I, I'll tell you what. This, the secret to being selected for junior state is uh, be a person who's willing to say they might be interested in junior state and go to an arts <laughs> high school. <laughs> That's what's required. Yes. Um, so we had we had these regional meetings, and on uh, on <clears throat> one occasion, uh, Silicon Valley Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren, oh, who's amazing, came came to our meeting, and I mean, I'm talking about a meeting of twenty five or thirty junior state members, like certainly no more than thirty, uh, and like hung out for like an hour and a half like and was so nice it really inspired me to believe in my government she wasn't even my congressperson almost none of us she represented almost none of us uh, but like I really believe in government because of that one time congresswoman Zoe Lofkin was so nice when I was in high school yeah it was amazing that's very sweet like politics is so weird like they're kind of in charge of things but they don't get to be glamorous about it in any way it's a little <laughs> bit sad Wait, so you're saying you would like to see Congress, but with more eyeliner? I mean, more no, galas, more balls. Philosophically, I, I no, like uh, uh, JFK Jr.'s short-lived magazine, George, that was trying to put. <laughs> uh, um, oh, I remember that. I remember they would always put a sexy lady in the wig. Yes, I saw. A, I saw a copy of that in a basement of an estate sale I was at recently in Portland, Oregon, and I, yeah, I should have thought of you, guy. It was. It was 
it offended me. It's like, no, this is the United States. We don't do things like that. But I also do fundamentally believe that we do need an aristocracy, but it should be completely composed of people who were on sitcoms five years ago. Right. <laughs> and that should be separated from the people who decide, you know, um, who we declare war with. Are you sure that that aristocracy isn't already in existence and it's the cast of Chicago on Broadway? <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure Queen Deborah Messing is doing a great job right now. I mean, I always, I always, you know, all the tourists always go, you know, go stand under the balcony when John Stamos comes out and waves, yeah, waves exactly. to the crowd. I'm so glad that, like, that we're getting like John Stamos and Rob Lowe having real chances to come back this sure. year. I'm oh. ju- excited for both of them. If you, anybody, uh, this is this is just a, a, an earnest recommendation. Has anybody watch that show Moonbeam City that Rob Lowe does the voice of? Uh, no. Oh shit! It's funny. It's great, uh, and he's he's great. He's perfect in it. Yeah, I, I saw an episode of it. It was very funny. Yeah. Um, to just to circle back a little bit into kind of like. You know, life goals, meeting Congress people and such. Have either of you been on the local news ever? I was in a local television commercial. Okay. That's as close as I've ever gotten. <laughs> oh, no. Once in high school, I was wandering around uh, the campus of San Francisco <laughs> State University. I was wandering around a car accident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that I had caused. Sure. <laughs> and uh, once in high school, I was returning to the scene of an arson that I had instigated. Sure, yeah. To jack off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I was I was just wandering around the campus of San Francisco State, which was you know right next door to where I went to high school, and I I got interviewed about how I felt about Magic Johnson returning to the NBA. Mm. Uh, thankfully, I think I said I was in support of it. Sure. Uh, good news. Like, I, how how hard would it be to live down if? Uh, you know, 25 years ago, I said, like, I don't know. What if he shares spit with the other players and then they get AIDS? <laughs> sure. Like, said some weird, uh, horrible 1991 type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily, I had enough understanding of how the world worked. You just said, y'all ready for this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if that's when that song came out. Yeah, that, I think uh, that was Yeah, I mean, that was when songs like that came out. <laughs> 91, 92. That is when songs like that came Everybody. out. Man, those times were so high NRG. <laughs> yes. Guy, local news? Oh, um, I, I, well, the only time I was on the local news was when I had a brief media story about me when I was in college, um, and it was very awkward. What, can, can you, can you elaborate? Yes. Uh, I, <laughs> I know you want to, clearly. Well, uh, I had lit a warehouse on fire. <laughs> sure. Uh, and a few minutes later, noticing my burgeoning tumescence. <laughs> sure. <laughs> returned to the uh, scene. A boy's got to learn about that somewhere. <laughs> sure. Uh, I said mean things about the president's daughter in our campus paper, and then um, the, the, the Secret Service came to my apartment. And um, searched my apartment and asked me questions, and it became a thing. Wow. Uh, and so the the local news was bothering When you say me. said mean things, do you mean that you threatened her? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... Uh, I was talking about the big game between Stanford and and Berkeley, um, and I said that Chelsea Clinton represents the Stanford ethos of establishment worship, which must be subverted and destroyed, which was quoted by the Associated Press as Chelsea Clinton dot 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 must be destroyed, (laughs) Um, which led to some confusion on the part of the first family. (laughs) I can understand that. Sure. 
Sure. How were the Secret yes. Service men? Nice? Uh, they old school good cop, bad cop me, and it was adorable to watch. Oh. I was terrified. Uh, but yeah, my mom wouldn't let me, My mom was like, don't go on air. People will recognize you and it will destroy your life. But I did do one local news story. <laughs> I met a, uh, an FBI agent once. Uh, who was doing background checks for a friend who was applying for the Foreign Service. And uh, that was like uh, one of the most – it was like meeting an astronaut. Yeah. Uh, because he was exactly like an F- – like he was a re- semi-retired, which is why he would did these background checks. It was like a side thing for him. Uh, but it was like – it was literally like interacting with uh, like a 75-year-old – uh, public service-minded Don Draper. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you said exactly like uh, an FBI agent, my thought was, you mean John Hamm? Like, it was just like... <laughs> it, was like me- it was like meeting a 75-year-old John Hamm. He was so polite and nice. Uh, like, came over, sat down in our living room. My wife and I chatted with him a little bit about our friends who were applying for the Foreign Service. Uh, he told us a little bit about his life in the FBI, uh, wished us the best, and then uh, went, uh, went upon his merry way. It was such a lovely experience. Mm. Now, I would rank it below Zoe Lofgren, Congresswoman <laughs> Zoe Lofgren, sure. in my interactions with public officials. <clears throat> but uh, above the time that I tried to high-five Bill Clinton, and he seemed like he was going to high-five me, but then he kind of went over my hand and went down to grip uh. it. And turn it into mm. a handshake. No. When when did that happen? Uh, that would be 2000. Ugh. That was yeah. still before presidents could high-five, though. That's a good point. That was shameful for them to be seen high-fiving. Exactly. They tried to, they tried to focus on fornication. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> well, everybody has different, like, uh, different focuses during his administration, sure, you know? Reagan was the great communicator. <laughs> sure. Bill Clinton, the great fornicator. <laughs> I mean, how... Will there ever be a funnier comedy topic uh-huh. just when we're talking about the broadest of comedy topics sure. like just general general things sure will there ever be a better comedy topic than horny president <laughs> like <laughs> well i mean i think my first inclination is to say man's inhumanity to man okay yes. well yeah um because there are only five stories <laughs> One of them is horny president. <laughs> horny president. president, man's inhumanity to man, boy and his dog. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in man. just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, the voice of the millennial generation. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Guy Branham, national security threat. You know, something that we should go over with our guests on the show, Jordan, sure. is when to do their intake of breath. Mm. I feel like even when they're prepared, they're late on the intake of breath. And so there's that beat that frankly ruins the show. And I blame Guy. Sure. Yeah. No, the rhythm is off. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, and Guy, you know, you're a comedian. You probably have an opinion on this. I think comedy is a lot like jazz. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It has a beat, a rhythm, improvisation, turtlenecks. Sure. You know, everything, all of these key elements, uh, snapping. Uh, stand-up comedy, I, I think, came out of ragtime. Right. Like, uh, it was one of the one of the other children. Uh, I'm just not at the, the place in the podcast booth that I normally am for Pop Rocket. Mm. Oh, yeah. So my sense of, sure. like, my sense of balance is completely off. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. Yeah, you're having inner ear troubles. Exactly. I can understand that. That, mm-hmm. happens, that happens to me when uh, uh, Biz and Teresa come in here to do One Bad Mother. Uh, Biz moves my chair. There's literally nothing more upsetting to me in the entire world than that Biz moved my chair six inches. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, give me a break, Biz. You, you need your bearings. Like I get in here and I'm like holding my computer in one hand and my water in the other and I see my chair in the wrong place and I flip the fuck out. <laughs> uh, Jesse, you'll probably know about this story when I start talking about it, but I... I... Uh, there were once this brother and sister named Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was getting at. I think I read some sort of newspaper story about a baseball pitcher who was mad because his mojo was thrown off when... Someone from Full House ran on onto the field, sang thing. I think it was the national anthem. That's what you would sing at a baseball stadium. Right, no, it not could a be lot God of other bless songs. America. They also sing God bless America. Uh, but sang it poorly. I guess it was something they were shooting it for the Full House reboot. But no one had told the pitcher, and he was mad for the rest of the game. Oh wow, I haven't heard about this. Yeah, and I guess someone had asked him something like, you know, why did your performance falter? At the back half of this game, but because because he was too distracted by the woman from Full House. Well, you know what? There, you know what? I, I think that probably the ma- the truly magical and Brian, get on, mm-hmm. go on YouTube and uh, search for uh, Tommy Lasorda, Dave Kingman. Oh, I, we've talked about this on oh, the we've show. We've, about yeah, this we on played the show. this, but okay. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like wanna... I think that is that is the gold standard of uh, responses in that world. But there is a certain way. That if you are an athlete, I think you get so wrapped up in your own special set of rules mm-hmm. uh, that for some reason it's okay to choke someone, which happened recently. <laughs> sure. Uh, when uh, this guy, Jonathan Papelbon, mm-hmm. uh, uh, choked a teammate the other day, and uh, he just did it in front of everyone. Hmm. A guy on his team just went hands to the neck, choked his ass, uh, and all I could think about Jonathan Papelbon was just like, God, like today is the right day for you, Jonathan Papelbon, to be a white guy. (laughs) Everything is coming up white guy. To be fair, was it because he caught a glimpse of Dave Coulier? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Dave Coulier did his famous Bullwinkle impression. (laughs) Yeah. What did motivate the choking? Um, It was that uh, uh, the other player had not run fast enough to first base and thus Mm. was not hustling. Mm. Was not hustling enough. Um, uh, the other player being perhaps the best player in baseball. So maybe Jonathan Papelbon, who'd been on the team for about three weeks, if I remember correctly, uh, maybe had his priorities. No, seriously? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, Yeah, I was like, never mind. This is bad podcasting right now. But also, you have to respect a certain degree of hierarchy in situations like this. If you get called up from the minors, you don't get to have opinions uh, for, like, at least a couple of weeks. (laughs) One of our advisory board members is outside the booth, and he's a a Washington Nationals fan. He just is trying to express to me all of his opinions about everything that's happened (laughs) non-verbally. Like, oh, well, I don't know about that. Yes, that definitely. <laughs> Going through like a like an Italian person on the phone. I mean, we have separate windows. Yeah, you're seeing out a different window than I am, and yeah. uh, I'm getting a similar uh, huge semaphore-like reaction. Yeah, uh, because I'm guessing there's just a bunch of Full House fans out there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> It's called Fuller House. And, Guy, I think through your window, you can see some porpoises at SeaWorld. <laughs> um, I see that, like, egg crate foam that is supposed to absorb sound. Yeah, that, we got that. Uh, sure. We got that it's everywhere. Nice. Okay, nice. when something momentous happens to you, like you get choked in a major league dugout in front of television cameras, we ask you to call us at 206-984-4FUN. That number again, 206-984-4FUN. Take out your phone. Put it in there right now for our segment, Momentous Occasions. Let's hear the first call. 
Hey, Jordan, Jesse, go. This is Jenna from Kentucky. I had a momentous occasion today on my way to work. I saw a Google car, so instead of going to work, I followed the Google car for about 20 minutes before I turned around and started to work. Thank you. Love the show. Bye. <laughs> what kind of job do you have to, to wear? You could just slag off going in She's like, to follow oh, the Google car. I, I work in dalliances. <laughs> I'm, I'm so proud of this woman. Like, I am so proud of this woman. She decided to make herself a very minor celebrity of the internet, and I think that that's what we all need to be doing these days. Sure. Uh, and You know a- what, Guy? You've inspired me. You guys want to record an <laughs> Uptown Funk parody? <laughs> Podcast funk? I don't know. You don't have to try that hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this is great. Yeah. I I think what's most impressive about her is, you know, a lot of people feel like their voices don't deserve to be heard. Mm. You know, I mm-hmm. think that's a really mm. big problem, especially mm. when you're when you're addressing issues of the patriarchy mm-hmm. and white supremacy. Yeah. There are people out there who feel like if they open their mouth, they're just going to get you know they're just going to get it slapped closed by the mores of society. Sure. You know, the or unjust mores Matt Damon. Of society. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and, and, I, <laughs> and I think what we see here is a woman who, with only only the slimmest the slimmest of reasons to believe that what she had to say mattered. Uh, was willing to dial a number to a major podcast, mm-hmm. probably the most popular podcast in the world. Sure. Um, which is Is there serial. any way to check that? It's <laughs> serial. And then look up the Jordan Gessie sure. phone number afterwards. Um, no, that, that she was willing to, to make that call simply based on the fact that she had driven behind a car associated with a famous internet brand briefly. Well, no, the, it, I'm guessing it was the car that makes the Google Maps. Well, she did not even say, I put myself into the pictures or I... So you're saying you think she may have been making a rival map behind? <laughs> yeah, car? she was. Yeah, she was driving in the the Bing wagon. What? What if her being visible on that Google Street View exonerates her from the crime that is season four of Serial? <gasps> wow, that is amazing. And sure. by the way, guy, I am glad that you are planning so far ahead in the timeline of Serial. <laughs> yeah. You could have gone with season two, the upcoming season, or season three, the season after that, which we don't know what it's about. But you went all the way ahead to season four. It's gonna, it's gonna go off a cliff. Like well, it's gonna get bad. We all, we all, all know the real story is invisibilia. For, yeah. <laughs> for, Do you think I'm maybe at you, some point it's the hidden brain? Thank you very much. <laughs> Do you think at some point Serial can get Nene involved? <laughs> I, did I get the name of that person right? Nine Nine. Her name is Nini. Okay, Nini. sorry. Nene is a dance. Is the dance? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's take our next call. Hey, Jordan, Jesse, yes. Uh, this is Derek Williams from New York, PA. Something momentous happened today. Uh, I'm on my way right now to Baltimore to visit my friend's birthday. It's gonna be a surprise. Uh, but I needed some gas, so I stopped at the gas station. I was looking around, there was this dude, he looked at me, got in his car, and drove away with the pump still attached to his car. (laughs) So, pump brakes, gases fell on the ground, I'm thinking to myself, oh man, gas explodes, this could be it. Uh, So it turns out I did not die, there was no teenager smoking a cigarette nearby to flick it on the ground. Comically, uh, just want to let you guys know, I am contemplating my own mortality. <laughs> 
yeah, that's it. So live fast and eat a lot of Oreos because people are dumb. Mm. And gas explodes. All right. I feel like all I do, like that is the least momentous part of my day when I <laughs> contemplate my own mortality. <laughs> like I feel like I'm gonna say I, when I eat a lot of Oreos, I engage with the sickening pit uh, in the bottom of my stomach, which represents both my own mortality mm-hmm. and all the Oreos I've eaten. Sure, like on a on a minute by minute basis. Like I am, con- if I wasn't running from my own death, where would I be running to? You know, I would just be sitting there. Have you guys tried any of the uh, birthday cake Oreos <laughs> or the red velvet Oreos? No, I haven't tried either of those. What, you got an opinion? They're both pretty good. I think of, if I was to pick an Oreo variant, yeah. it would be the golden Oreo. What is the golden Oreo? Uh, that's just like a yellow I Oreo. I that was a sex thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that's what I thought when I bought it. Right. Uh, it, it wasn't. So you there's a little. The pleasure chest. There's a little bit. Yes, yes. There's a little bit of a disappointment there. Uh, but what I got was actually a pretty nice cookie. It's just a, it's just yellow. There's no alternative flavors in there. Uh, the 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 filling is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little more of like um, uh, like a like maybe kind of maybe the flavor of a chessman cookie. Uh-huh. Oh, so it's nice. I'll say this. Uh, you know, I am I typically shop at Trader Joe's where there are no branded products, so sure. I don't I don't eat a lot of your Nabisco you know prepared mm-hmm. foods or what have you. Uh, but the two of those products that I will go out of my way to eat are Oreo cookies and Cheez-Its. Discuss! <laughs> Cheez-Its are amazing. Cheez-Its are so good. And I also think that Cheez-Its have the, by far the biggest, like the widest gap between uh, 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 the primary brand name and the imitator brand. Because yeah. I feel like cheese nips I don't even have the time of day for cheese nips. <laughs> you could offer me a free lifetime supply of cheese nips and I would not even cash it in. All right. I would... S- the amount of cheddariness that is being provided to you by a cheese is possible. Like goldfish crackers, also do very, very solid work. But there are no cheese its. There are no cheese its. Uh, the Oreo is amazing. Mm-hmm. It is a unique and beautiful product. Right. I do not approve of any of the different colored or different mm. flavored Oreos. Mm-hmm. But mm. the, the ones have that are- you tried them, or is are you just being uh, a stubborn, set in your ways? The second Conservative. one. Conservative. The second one. <laughs> I'll tell you this. On Brian and Lindsay, we'll totally eat that. The smash hit web show starring our producer, Brian Fernandez, and uh, his colleague, Lindsay Pavlis. They ate weird Japanese strawberry Oreos. Oh, how did it go? Well, you're going to have to find out by typing in Brian and Lindsay will totally eat that Oreos into YouTube or going to totesit.com and finding and uh, looking for the episode. Look, I have been tempted by those weird green tea Kit Kats. They look interesting. Yeah, we made them uh we made them eat the uh I don't know if you've had these the bakeable cheesecake Kit Kats that no, you put in the oven. I totally watched that episode. Yeah. It terrified me. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of it's it turns into a sort of custard inside, like a warm custard. It's it's a very odd thing. I do want to say that those Oreos sure. that are, have been dipped in chocolate, those ones mm. are amazing. I haven't had those. And also, if I like, I, I need to not remember that they exist because they will destroy me, <laughs> yeah. like a jazz man and heroin. <laughs> they will destroy me. <laughs> we'll be back. In taken just a from second. us too soon <laughs> on Jordan Jesse Go. La 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 la
Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Ross. Hi, Carrie. What do you think is creepier? Okay. You jump into a swimming pool. All of a sudden, the water goes away, and instead of water, there is the bones of your dead ancestors or Mm -hmm. our show. That's pretty tough because we visited a live exorcism. We joined the Ordo Templi Orientis where we had to worship a naked lady. Oh, and we joined that Tony Alamo cult. Dope. They were scary. Super creepy. We joined the Ethere Society. We tried penis enlargement, or at least oh, I did. Oh boy, I tried breast enlargement. We have basically done every creepy, weird, fringe thing except for thousands more, which we will get to if you listen to our show. I'd still say the swimming pool with my ancestors' bones. Well, then I don't even know if people should listen. I guess they shouldn't. But if you want to... Two were at Maximum Fun, and the show's called Ono Ross and Carrie. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morse, boy detective. It's Guy Branham, cheese it apologist. Okay, I'm going to say this right here, right now. There's, there's probably 15 people sitting mm-hmm. outside of our studio right now. Uh, Brian, if you could crack our studio door here for a second. If you guys think that the people listening to Jordan Jesse Go right now should take out their phones and uh, subscribe to Pop Rocket so they can get more Guy Branham, let them know right now. Right now. <laughs> shit's tremendous. It's like the thing I'm most proud of is creating that show. Uh, it, it is such an amazing program, and Guy and his colleagues are so funny and insightful and fun and informative. It is just like a blast every week. I look forward to listening to it every week. Thank you so much for promoting us as much as you do. Jordan, you do less work on that front. That's true. No, I, you know what? Still, I can step up my game. But we're I can still step friends. up my game. Uh, and also just engineering a situation where I get to have a charming conversation with Winter Mitchell, Margaret Wappler, and Oliver mm-hmm. Wang on a weekly basis, it makes my life better. Well, I got to say, like, Jordan, like, sure, my job is to push Pop Rocket. Jordan is sort of like our John Kerry. We're using him to keep relations warm with pop culture happy hours, Glenn Weldon. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, Glennon, Glennon, mm-hmm. Jordan is our, is our path to Weldon. Uh, you know, and he's 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 making sure that uh, that we don't break detente. Sure, he's my friend, not your friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, Glenn is a personal hero. Yeah. He's pretty amazing. It's one of the finest men. Um, though, like, look, not to th- mention, by the way, I've met him in person. One of the finest men. Yeah, he's, sure. He's Bro- broad college swimmer shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, but Jesse pushing me into the mine laden fields of pop culture roundtable podcast. Mm. You didn't prepare me in any way. You didn't say, hey, guy, you like Culture Gab Fest is out there, Pop Culture Happy Hour. You're going to have to be in this world. You're going to have to, you know, like deal with a lot of personalities. Well, I mean, it's like I told that FBI agent. I think you're ready for international <laughs> sure. diplomacy. You're ready to represent our nation on the international stage. But you didn't prepare him for getting the side eye from Stephen Metcalf. No, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Exactly. You don't need that. You don't need that in your life. But we had, we had Lindsay come on Pop Rocket and uh, it was very exciting. Oh, that's nice. Linda Holmes, the host of Pop Culture Happy Hour, who's also been a guest on this show. Yes. Uh, we talked about romantic comedies and drank pink wine um, and it's that point in time when a podcast just becomes brunch. Yeah. Yeah. But that was fun. I listened to that. I don't like pink wine or romantic comedies but I enjoyed that program. To be fair, I did like the time I saw music and lyrics on an airplane. <sighs> music and lyrics is so underrated. <laughs> it's a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, there are some parts where you're like, this is a movie? Because they're like so like uh, 
half-assedly made, but then there's so much charm and fun. Drew Barrymore's job is to water that man's plants happily. <laughs> yeah, I think that may be the case. Yeah, that may be the case. Anyway. It sounds Guy, like a great movie. Guy Branham, uh, Guy Branham, the host of Pop Rocket, run out and subscribe to it because it is so great. In fact, it's pretty easy to subscribe to it. Like, whatever no, you're you listening have to, to this on right now, you could probably, like, with about six inches of physical action, could take that object out of your pocket mm-hmm. Uh, type in Pop Rocket and click on subscribe. I'm pretty sure you have to go to the podcast store. Yeah, you could, <laughs> or you could go to your popular, uh, your favorite podcast application. Yeah. I mean, you might be on Downcast, you might be on Overcast. But I mean, like a store, like a store downtown. Oh, like, like a brick and mortar. Store. Like yeah. a brick and mortar podcast store. Like the news agent. Yeah. Got it. I think we should. I mean, I think that's kind of the next step for podcasting. It's like just having a place where people can come and touch the podcast, just get a sense of them. Yeah, it's really hard to see what to figure out on the internet just from pictures what podcast is going to fit. Sure. Especially if you have an unusual body. Is it going to hang weird? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'm personally, I'm kind of hippie. Sure. And I have a hard time figuring out, you know, like is is Slate Culture Gab Fest or Pop Culture Happy Hour going to fit me better and flatter my curves? Mm -hmm. I just, uh, stuff we missed in history class is just so roomy and the shoulders yeah yeah you don't think it's gonna be i have that problem too you can't put it in the dryer either (laughs) shrinks um our producer is brian sunny d fernandez uh now a married man uh congratulations to him Uh, everybody's looking at his ring finger Uh, only when this is released will he be a married man uh he's not yet a married man so i guess things could go horribly wrong yeah if everything goes according to brian when you can't brian when you can't when this podcast comes out you're a married man. Right now, get your dick wet, buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. You get got your some Max Fun superfans surrounding you right now. Get it wet. <laughs> get it wet. If you're going to get lucky before you're locked down, this is your big chance. Um, uh, Brian Gross. Sunny D. Fernandez, uh, our producer. Uh, you can talk about our show on Twitter with the hashtag JJGo, and many people do. Uh, if you've got uh, complaints or corrections about the show, send them on Twitter to at Ted Cruz, T-E-D-C-R-U-Z. If you want to talk about the show on Reddit, go to MaximumFun.Reddit.com. There's always dozens of great conversations mm-hmm. going on uh, about a given jo- ep- Jordan Jesse Go episode over there on the Max Fun Reddit, which is the uh, the happiest, least creepy corner of the Reddit world. <laughs> um, a really lovely little place. Or on Facebook, just search for Jordan Jesse Go or, or join the Maximum Fun group where there's a lot of good chat going on. Is it um, true that everybody on the uh, Max One Reddit doesn't masturbate? Yeah, that's true. It's a, yeah. Uh, it's uh, reddit.com slash r slash maximum fun no fap. <laughs> yeah. Um, no fap. And uh, this week, special thanks to our uh, maximumfun.org advisory board mm-hmm. for joining us here in the office, every single one of them, especially uh, board founder Jenny Kasanoff, so kind uh, to put this event together. What a joy it's been to uh, entertain some of our most committed supporters, uh, folks who flew in from not just all over the country, all over the world uh, to help us with Maximum Fun. So thanks, everybody, for doing that. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jesse Go. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.